Chapter 8 Jake It was not a good situation. I was seriously annoyed. One night was stuck in the mud. A foot soldier was on his knees praying and quaking. The other night was being held up by Rachel's trunk about six feet in the air. Oh, hi Jake. Hi Marco. Rachel said. Hi, Cassie said. We were... Uh, well... So, there we were, suddenly appearing in the middle of a bunch of tents full of guys wearing armor, I said conversationally. Naturally, we figured we'd better lie low, not attract attention, not cause any trouble. Are you really mad? Rachel asked. I leaned over and grabbed the Green Knight's arm. Marco grabbed the other and we yanked hard trying to get him up out of the mud while he cursed us in French. I figured I'd try the subtle approach, I said. But, of course, that's just me. It hadn't occurred to me that what I should do is morph into elephant and stomp people into the mud. You are mad. Why would I be mad? Just because at the very moment I'm thinking, cool, we snuck past the guards, I suddenly hear an elephant? Marco laughed. Half the guys back in the tents are wetting themselves and babbling about dragons and devils. Hey, they started this, Rachel said. I sighed and rubbed my forehead. Rachel? Yes, Jake? Do you think you could put that guy down and demorph so we can get out of here without wiping out 10,000 future French people who might be descendants of these two guys? You know, he stuck a spear in me. She grumbled. I helped the Green Knight get to his feet. Sorry, I said. How do you say sorry in French? Sorry, Marco offered. I am very sorry. That's very helpful, Marco, I said. Cassia demorphed. Now Rachel put the Red Knight down gently and began to demorph as well. I saw the Red Knight heading toward a dropped sword. Hey, uh-uh. I said. No, no, no. He stopped. Just then, Tobai swooped down through the trees. Another bird of prey was with him. Axe, in Harrier Morph. See, Axe? Told you it was Rachel. Anytime you hear a bunch of screaming and see people running, you're going to find our girl Rachel somewhere close by. Very funny, Rachel said. They started it. Cassie, tell them who started it. Okay, look, we're all together. Let's get out of here before we draw the whole French army down on us, I said. There must be a couple hundred guys back in that field up there. More than that, Tobias said. I don't see all that well at night, but I saw more like thousands behind us. Campfires all over the place, and some more over in front of us. Two armies, Ugg suggested. And us between them, Moko said. Great. Two armies? 
What war? What year? Cassie asked. I shrugged. The green guy there speaks English, I think, Rachel said. I looked at the knight. Despite the armor, he wasn't really much bigger than me. Standing in the mud without a weapon, he wasn't too intimidating. Excuse me, sir. Can you tell me what year it is? And who's fighting this war? Ah, do not parler avec witches, the knight said in haughty, heavily accented English. Marco stifled a giggle. I'm not the witch, I pointed at Rachel. Those two are the witches. I saved your life. Hey, Cassie objected. The knight thought it over for a moment. It is the year of our lord, 1415. The forces of the Louis de France is Agnes Royal Charles VI, under command of Constable de France and the princes of the blood royal, are here on the poor to repel l'envahissel Louis Henry V of England, who has laid claim unjust to the throne of France. French and English? Whose side are we on? Rachel asked. We're not on anyone's side, I said. We're just here to make sure Visser Four doesn't mess with whatever is supposed to happen here. But we don't know what's supposed to happen here, Cassie pointed out. That's a definite problem, Tobias said. Okay, first thing, we don't do anything till we find Visser Four. And when I say don't do anything, that would include squeezing French knights with our trunks till they pop open like an overboiled hot dog. He has armor! He barely felt it! Rachel said hotly. Let's get airborne, I said. What we're looking for is anyone who doesn't belong. Also, we're looking for the time matrix. Axe? Yes, my prince. What does a time matrix look like? I do not know. Better and better, Marco muttered darkly. Okay, just look for... Just look. And remember one thing. We are just as likely to mess up the future as Visser 4 is. So be careful. Cover this whole area. If we're some kind of quantum echo or whatever, then Visser 4 must be nearby. Anyone spots him? We'll need to move fast and hard. I looked around at all my friends. I tried to make eye contact with each as I repeated. Fast and hard. You understand? This guy has the most dangerous weapon ever created. We can't let him get away. His personal history ends here. Chapter 9 Marco The sun was barely up. Gray dawn. We flew. We looked at stuff. We demorphed. We remorphed. We flew some more. The sun was coming up, and we still had not seen anyone who we thought was Visser 4. However, I'd seen some really cool armor. Mostly on the French side. The English guys looked pretty raggedy, and about half of them seemed to have serious digestive problems. Every five minutes, you'd see one of the English soldiers run off into the bushes and... Well, let me put it this way. What they did, you don't really want to see, especially with high-powered osprey eyes. I was over the English camp for about the 20th time. The head guys, including this guy I thought might be the king, were attending an old-fashioned mass. You know, in Latin. Their third mass. Which made me wonder if they had any hope of winning. 
I mean, one church service, maybe. But three? That's not a sign of confidence. That's more like, I'll be there any minute now, Lord, so have St. Peter make up my bed. The guys themselves, knights, soldiers, archers, and so on, were a nasty-looking bunch of humans. No one looked like they'd washed their clothes any time this century. Faces were dirty, teeth were rotted, and I mean yellow and black, gnarled-looking rotted. They were pompous, swaggering knights and whatever, who had literally four and a half teeth in their whole head. And speaking of heads, here's a clue. You didn't want to have really good eyesight and see these guys' hair. We're not just talking fleas. We're talking lice. And not just one or two. Every head was like a Manhattan of lice. A Hong Kong of fleas. There were crawling little bugs packed onto some of these guys like fans at a fish concert. And skin? Scabs, rashes, bumps, boils, warts. Things you thought might be beetles stuck on their faces, but that were actually moles. It was pockmarked city. Virtually every face looked like someone had fired a shotgun at it. Deep holes you could almost stick a finger into. Smallpox, of course. It was not an attractive crowd. English or French, it didn't matter, except that the French had more horses and cooler armor. Axe wheeled through the sky, 20 feet above me, closer to the French lines. I do not mean to insult your ancestors, Marco, but if the Yurks had arrived in this era, they would have left to find some other species to infest. These humans have all the parasites they could possibly support. Oh yeah? What were Andalites like three, four hundred years ago? We were relatively backward technologically, Axe sniffed. But we had managed to discover cleaning agents. These humans are universally filthy. They are... Hey, that's it! Jake, Rachel, everyone. These guys are all dirty and lice-rooted and pockmarked. It took you three hours to notice that? Rachel demanded. You're a genius, Marco. Well, duh, Rachel. Guess who wouldn't be all skanky? Visser 4, of course, Cassie said. He has a 20th century body. 21st century. He won't have smallpox or lice or bad teeth. That's it, Jake agreed. Look for someone clean. They'll be our boy. The sun was rising above the horizon now. The mass was breaking up. It didn't look like they'd have another. I guess three were enough. The guy I thought was probably the English king was hanging out with some of his boys, all laughing very loudly, the way people do when they're scared peeless but want to look cool. I took a look at him. No, he did not have a 21st century body. He was about as skanky as anyone. I checked out his boys, a bunch of burly-looking troublemakers. I guess they were his main knights. But if it hadn't been for the chainmail and the swords, you'd have figured them for a bunch of mafia hitmen. They weren't all buff like some Schwarzenegger action hero. Most were beefy, even fat. I doubted any of these guys had ever even heard the word salad. But they weren't fat fat. They were like, Aha! Your blade merely penetrated my belly fat and one kidney. A flesh wound! Have at you, sir! These boys were trouble. And now the king was talking to his troops. He jumped up on a fallen tree and started bellowing and waving his arms like a politician or a football coach. I couldn't hear everything he said, 
But the basic idea was, men, we're outnumbered, but we're here for a good reason, which is that I want to be king of France. So let's go kick some French butt, and we'll all be mighty pleased with ourselves on the off chance that we actually survive. Basically, the same kind of heroic nonsense we Anamorphs tell ourselves before we go into battle. Then, quite suddenly, I saw him. Not a knight. One of the archers. He was carrying a bow and a quiver full of arrows. His clothes were the same uniform as the other archers. A sleeveless leather jacket decorated with steel studs over a chainmail shirt. And pants that looked like they'd been sewn together by seamstresses with only three fingers and a ballpoint pen for a needle. He was with a bunch of archers moving toward the French lines. Got him! I alerted the others. Over there at the tree line. He's an English archer. On our way, Jake said. Stay cool. We need the right moment. I think this battle is getting ready to start. If you want to buy some popcorn and raisinets, better hurry. The English were definitely moving. The French, who had to outnumber them four to one waited very calmly. In fact, a lot of them were off riding around, talking to each other, drinking, scarfing snacks, making out with women, and gambling. Between the two forces, a narrow, muddy field hemmed in by trees on both sides. The English are going to get stomped, Rachel said. I could see her bold eagle wheeling down toward me, turning wide circles. Maybe not, Jake said thoughtfully. The field is so narrow. The French can't get all their guys into the action. Want to lay some money down? Rachel asked. This is probably not why we're here, Cassie pointed out. Probably the idea was not to place bets. Why are we here? That is the question, Axe said. What is the significance of this particular historical event? How would a change at this point in this time-space continuum caused the changes we observed. I don't know, Jake admitted. Neither does Visser Ford, most likely, Cassie said. All he knows about humans came from the mind of his host body. Swell, I said. It's the blind leading the blind down histories. I stopped talking because I saw something no bird ever, ever wants to see. Ever. I saw about 2,000 guys notch their arrows, draw their bowstrings back to their ears, and suddenly elevate straight up. Straight up at me. Chapter 10. Marco. I was staring down at about 2,000 arrow tips, and 2,000 guys squinting up at me along the arrow shaft. Uh-oh. The air was filled with arrows. It was like some weird backward hail. It was a wall of arrows. Ah! An arrow passed clear through my wing. I banked hard. They're shooting at me! I yelled. There was a sharp pain in my wing, and blood streaked my feathers. The wing was weaker, but I could still fly. Get out of there! Rachel yelled. Gee, do you think? I said frantically. I beat my wing, but now it was like every idiot on the ground was trying to murder me. Already they were reloading, but I was hauling. Hauling not exactly in a straight line, because one wing was dragging, but I was moving, 
heading more or less along the front of the English lines, trying to stay in no man's land. One thing I knew for sure, I didn't want to try and cross directly above the English troops. Unfortunately, that was a bad insight. The archers were on both ends of the line, in the woods. I was heading straight for another couple of thousand archers. Ah! I tried to turn. I tried to haul. I would have run on air if necessary. Arrows snapped into place. Up came the bows, and... Clean miss! I was out of the way, and now I could watch where the arrows were heading. Down they came. The arrows arched toward a column of Frenchmen on horses. Maybe 300 guys, many loaded up in fabulous armor. Some in less than fabulous armor. But all yelling from behind their visors. All with long lances leveled. The French cavalry went straight for the archers. The archers were behind a lame wall of spikes angled out toward the horses. Unfortunately for the English, their spikes wouldn't stay up in the mud. But the spikes weren't the important issue. The important issue was the arrows. Thousands of arrows, all shooting up, all arching, all seeming to hang in the air. Thousands of these arrows just sort of waiting, poised at the top of their arc. A fly could not have gotten through that wall of arrows. Down and down to stick in French arms and necks and shoulders and heads and thighs and faces. And all of a sudden, what was happening below me was not a joke anymore. Arrows flew again, tracking the approaching column of rowdy, disorganized cavalry. The main knights seemed almost invulnerable at first, with all their armor. Even their horses were armored along the back of their necks and over their heads. But the arrows were so thick that they found their way into the narrow slits in the knights' visors. Men were dropping. Horses were dropping. If I'd stayed one second longer, avoiding the arrows would have been like avoiding raindrops in a thunderstorm. If I had stayed a second longer, I wouldn't have just been shot. I'd have been pincushioned. Now the screaming started. Guys with arrows sticking through their necks, into their stomachs, out of their sides, all fell and crawled and stood up and fell again. And it wasn't just the men. Horses were screaming too. And that's not a sound I'll ever forget. The cavalry fell back. They didn't look good. They plowed right into their own lines practically riding down their own people. The English kept coming, looking a little more sure of themselves too, like maybe two masses would have been enough. I tried to find Visser 4 again. I looked for that weirdly clean face, the weirdly white teeth, and that saved my life, because I saw now that the archers were forward, half in the woods, and they had shifted their aim. Suddenly, the arrow barrage had changed direction. Ah! I yelled. Spilled air and plunged like a rock. I saw the English archers release their strings. I saw arrows fly. Right. At. Me. <laughs> Hundreds of arrows arched toward me as I dove toward the ground. Hundreds of arrows, some so close I felt the breeze from them, blew above me. I raked, opening my wings to catch air. But now my injured wing failed. It collapsed seemed to break in half, and down I went at impossible speed. Flump! I hit mud, beak first. I maintained consciousness for about half a second, passed out, woke up to hear Jake yelling, Morgo! Morgo! Get up!
Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, thank you for listening to another episode. Um, still apologizing to uh, the great nation of France. Um, not an accent guy, as you might be able to tell. Hope it was in the ballpark. The football field? The soccer field. They like soccer over there. I hope it was within the soccer field of uh, uh, a French accent. I think I think it was, you know, it's not good, but I think it was like, you get the idea. Anyway, um, if you're French and mad, I guess you can write in and yell at me. Or you can write in and not yell at me like uh, Sterling did. Sterling wrote in through uh, the Gmail, that's audiomorphscast at gmail.com. Uh, in response to he, uh, he believes episode one twenty one. I gotta be honest, I don't remember either. But uh, he reiterates the question within the body of this uh, email, so we'll all be on the same page. Anyway, Sterling writes, "Hello, Daniel. It's Sterling writing you again. I'm still working my way through your backlog of Z Space transmissions on Spotify. Back in July of 2019, you asked your fellow audiomorphs a question. I don't normally respond to your requests for feedback." as I'm so far, very far behind, that I'm sure anything I send will be more confusing than helpful. But this one felt different. The question was which Animorph is our favorite and why. When I was first drafted into the fight against the Yerks as a grammar school student in the 90s, I'm not actually familiar with that. Is that, uh, that's like a Commonwealth thing, right? Like Canada and the UK? We don't have grammar schools, I don't think, in America. Maybe we do, maybe just not in the region I was in. America's very big. I'm not sure what a grammar school student is. Is that like... Is that like a private school, or is that just a different term for uh, primary education? You know, like grades 1 through K through 6 or whatever. Um, if anyone wants to let me know, I don't feel like looking it up. Uh, anyway, but as a grammar school student in the 90s, I was particular to Comrade Tobias. As a small boy, I don't think I was evolved enough to see much of myself in either Cassie or Rachel. Uh, I also had a pretty low opinion of Marco, which is ironic, as he's the original five member I'm finding the most relatable while listening to your work. That left only Jake and Tobias. I think I gravitated to Tobias, as he has the strongest heart of the male Animorphs. He's both empathetic and willing to go immediately... Sorry, he's both empathetic and willing to immediately throw himself fully into the fight. He's a true hero who is committed to the cause and willing to make real sacrifices. I want to thank you again for everything you do in the battle for Earth's liberation. My name is Sterling, and I still believe that one day the Andalites will come. Until then, I fight. Thank you so much for writing in, Sterling. Tobias is a great choice. Um, definitely aspects of Tobias. I think I've talked about this before. Definitely aspects of Tobias are related to. There's, you know, little bits of all of them, I think, um, reflect back on... on as, you know, most complicated humans, you can see elements of yourself in, in just about anyone. But, um, yeah, Tobias and Marco were probably up there for me. I think I've talked about this before, um, as far as when I was younger. Um, but anyway, thank you for writing in. Really appreciate it. Um, I hope you enjoyed the, the rest of the journey you have ahead of you. I, I don't know where you are anymore in, in your, uh, listen. But, uh, when you catch up, hey, Sterling! Uh, meanwhile, if you'd like to write in like Sterling, um, you can do that through a variety of ways. I've already mentioned the Gmail. There's also uh, the Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. You can also uh, write in on the... I have like a contact form on my website. That's theapocalypse.com. The Apocalypse, like Apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh, you can also tweet at me on Twitter. That's at audiomorphs. 
Um, and I'll probably just reply on there, but uh, you can come say hi. And if you're ever wondering if I'm ever like late uh, posting, I'll try to have the explanation up on there. Um, that's all I have this week. Uh, future uploads should be maybe, well, we'll see. I was going to say more consistent, but maybe less consistent. I'm in a transitionary part of my life, by which I mean I am unemployed as of tomorrow. So, uh, we'll figure that out. I got some savings, and I don't think um, it's going to be too hard to find another another job within um, my position and field. Um, because I have a lot of experience, and there's a lot of companies out here. Um, so I'm not, like, super worried yet. Uh... <laughs> But if uh, if things get a little wonky on the upload, it's probably because I'm I'm trying to sort out a new work situation. So thanks for your patience preemptively, and I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>